I love that kid. That tongue's out there. Oh, that's great. Well, they are doing their part for Missions Day, which is October the 16th. This whole series is headed toward that. You know, one day a year we take all the contributions at one day and support our mission efforts around the world. And so we have efforts on the Navajo Reservation. We have efforts in New Orleans. We have efforts uh, on the university campus. I think there are 64 different nations represented over there on that campus. Just think if we got one out of each nation and they went back, what we could do for world evangelism. And then we have, of course, we have Liberia, we have uh, Nicaragua, we have short-term mission trips. Uh, we've been everywhere from the Ukraine to Brazil to all over the world, literally, this last year. We have a lot more stuff to do, a lot of people to train and take the gospel to. So that's what Missions Day is all about. And, uh, and look, if you're, uh, if you're watching in, uh, online, if you're some of our online members, uh, that day plan on uh, uh, helping us support missions. Uh, send your money in, and we'll make good use of it to get the gospel out there to the world. We'll do our we'll do our best. We need to we need to make sure that uh, we talk about it, pray about it, and have a great day on Missions Day for that. Uh, that's what this series is all about. That's what World Link is all about. And so, we're, if you would turn with me to the Book of Acts, chapter eight, we're going to look at a little section here in Acts chapter eight. Let's do a little bit of reading about a disciple named Philip in Acts chapter eight twenty six. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship so that tells us a little bit about what the kind of guy he is, right? And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I? By the way, notice the questions the eunuch asked. It, it tells his openness to learn. It says, how can I unless someone explain it to me? So he invited Philip up to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord said, suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared to Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So here's a story of uh, old Philip. Now look, Philip, Philip wasn't surprised about what he needed to do when he met the man. He might have gotten a little surprised about how he got carried to meet him but, and the message from the Lord to go to him, but he wasn't surprised about what he's supposed to do. You remember Philip, uh, he's already been preaching the gospel to people. He's already been baptizing people. 
Earlier on, remember in the book of Acts, uh, there was a point there where the church got real big real quick and some of the widows wasn't being taken care of. Remember that? And so they picked some guys and the apostles said, look, pick some men that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And the first two on that list that they picked was Stephen and Philip. Now, Stephen has just lost his life, stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And the guy standing beside it, watching it all, holding the coast, was a guy named Saul who went around persecuting the church and arresting people. Now, this all made the church scatter. And when they scattered, Philip ended up going down into Samaria. And so now he's preaching in Samaria, and he's starting to baptize a lot of people there, too. Matter of fact, one of those is even old Simon the sorcerer in the first part of this chapter. And because of all the miracles that were that was being done, because of the laying on the hands of the, by the elders, he wanted that power, you know, and he tries to buy it. And so they deal with old Simon there. Kind of an interesting story. So if you get bored in, bored in mind, just back up half chapter and you can read that one if you want to, okay? Uh, but... Uh, uh, so Philip, all of a sudden, he preaches, he baptizes a bunch of them. Now he gets called away to talk to this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch. So one of the first things, I, we enti- I entitled this, uh, Things I Still Believe, because when I read this story, I thought, you know, there are some things that I have believed all my life that, that, just, that just kind of jump up at me here. Now, there are things I don't believe anymore that I was taught when I was a kid, because I've learned uh, more and more from God's Word. And, and look, nobody has it all together, right? We're still learning. we still got a lot to learn. But there are some things I still believe. And one of the first things I still believe is that God puts you in the path of other people. And God puts me in the path of other people. This is what He did with Philip. He took Philip and just threw him into the path of the Ethiopian eunuch. And now all of a sudden... Their lives intersect, and there's this great opportunity for the gospel. Now, I know these, these phrases like this get used all the time. Well, the Lord is leading me. Uh, God, I just feel like God is telling me. You know, so how much confidence do you put in your own emotional response to that? Because a lot of times, to be honest with you, a lot of times that's just what somebody says to go ahead and kind of give them the nudge to do what they want to do to begin with, Right? We've all kind of done that sometimes. But, you know, I mean, how can you argue with them when they play the trump card? When they play God told me, what can you say, right? Look, God doesn't tell us to do silly things. God doesn't tell us to do things that are against His Word. The same Spirit, by the way, that takes Phil to this spot is the same Spirit that wrote this Word that He's going to use later on in teaching this man. But people are put in our path. And out of that, we never know what will happen. Years ago, when I was at this church as a student, and Susan and I, uh, we, we said, you know, I, all I wanted to do when I was converted was just teach the Bible and convert people. That's all I really wanted to do. I didn't think about preaching. I didn't think about career and ministry. None of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to, to I was just excited and wanted to teach people. And so there was a team here, and uh, 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 we kind of recruited some guys to go to Brazil. I said, hey, I'm in on that. Let's go down there. There's a place in Manaus, Brazil, in the middle of the Amazon that there's not a church. We get to teach people that have never heard the gospel. That sounded exciting to me. And so uh, 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 we kind of put together a team. I went down there and visited. Susan and I did. Uh, we had a first communion, just four of us there, in that major city, that, which later on develops to be a great church. But when we got back, it just, things didn't fit about me going. 
And at first I kind of felt bad about that, and then I, but I really didn't know why and couldn't figure it out. And so just within a few weeks' time, I end up, instead of going to Brazil, which, by the way, that team did go and planted a great church. It's still going on today from this congregation. But I ended up in, I ended up in South Texas. Now, it was a mission field. I'm at the edge of Mexico down there. And that trip made my path cross Ray Melton and Tom Emman and Randy Green. And little did I know that in those, the, the people that God put in my path that I would learn so much from. And that then Ray and I would come up here and work together at this church. And then Ray would start small group ministry here for the first time and would be here when, when, uh, uh, to help Mac when he, when he first responded that night that, uh, that Ray was with him through that walk. And then Ray was here and helping, uh, uh, tell Phil and those guys, come on back up here and let's get busy for the Lord. And we started a thing called pig outs. Anybody remember pig outs? Uh, now they're called, uh, community groups. That sounds a lot more, you know, Pig outs was a lot of fun. I don't know how your community group is going, but if it needs some excitement, just call it a pig out and bring a lot of food. And if you feed them, they will come, you know. And man, we were baptizing a lot of folks. That thing is rock and roll. We get old Tommy back up here. He went through the school and he comes and now he works full time with us for a while and then goes out to OCS. And now he's head of the Bible department, had been out there for years, influencing thousands of people. Who knows what one path direction changes and it puts you in the path of other people that you get to be a part of their lives and doing great things. Who would have thought that? But God, I believe, put those, put those folks in my life. And our paths crossed. Randy Green, who was down there, ended up working with me at Kaufman, Texas. We sent him out to plant a church in Kazakhstan and that thing's going great guns. Who would have thought? You never know when someone crosses your path where that will lead when you are focused on the gospel. God puts you in the path of other people. So this week, be aware. Who is God sending me to? Who can I teach? Who can I learn from? Sometimes we're the teacher. Sometimes we're the one getting the message taught to us. But who who is in my path? Who am I learning from? Who can I teach? Be conscious of the path. They go, look, God has allowed us to be at that location by the university. I believe God has put that college in our path. It's in our path. And there's great, great mission efforts that can go through that campus. But you know what? He does something else too. God not only puts people in our path, but we learn here in this story that, and I still believe the message of Jesus is for everyone. It's for everyone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He loves the whole world. He loves everyone and so do we. That must be us as a church. We love everyone. Now look, this guy that Philip encounters, he's an Ethiopian eunuch. Any guesses as to what color he might be? Terry, what do you think? He might be black, brother. I didn't say black, a black brother. I mean, he might be black, brother. Right? 
He's of a different race. He's of a different religion. Look, he's been up worshiping, but we know he's not Jewish. He's a eunuch. He's a, from a different guy. He can't even go into the temple, even though he went there. He was still on the outskirts. He was still on the outer edge. They really wouldn't fully accept him. But in Christ, he gets fully accepted, right? All right, now look, let's, uh, let me talk about this for just a little bit. Everybody listen? Got everybody, everybody's attention? As much as going on in this world between black and white in our culture and the hate and the stuff that exists. Let me tell you something. That does not belong and will not be tolerated in this church. Got it? You want to protest, haul your rights, do all that kind of stuff in some kind of hateful way? then you do it at somebody else's church because in this church, we're going to be about loving each other and we want to reach out to every part of our community. Every part. The poorest, the richest, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the accent. I know it's hard when people come from up north. I understand. We love everybody. And that means it does not matter the color of their skin or the language they speak or their age. As I get older, I'm emphasizing age more and more. (laughs) Or their difficulties in life. Whether they've come from the richest of the rich or the poorest of the poor. Everyone is important in this body of believers. And we just got to keep it that way, God. We cannot let the world's culture and the activities of the world bleed over into our church family. We've got to respond right. And no matter what's going on in our culture, no matter what, you know, I don't know if you noticed, there's an election going on. Anybody notice that? We're going to pre- Our next series, by the way, is called In God We Trust. We're going to talk about how to be a Christian in this political climate. Uh, so come back for that one. But our trust isn't in the donkey or the elephant. It's in the Lamb of God. For we are citizens of another kingdom. And we want to bring as many people with us as possible. So the message of Jesus is for everyone. Here's the third thing I like about this story. You find out that the Old Testament teaches the message of Jesus. I think a lot of times in our study, we kind of neglect the Old Testament, you know. There's so many great stories that build our faith. Paul said those things are written the fourth time were written for our learning that we might have hope. So we cut off hope when we cut off the Old Testament. It's the inspired Word of God, old and new. And I know, look, look, they didn't have the new yet when the gospel was exploding, right? It hadn't been written, hadn't been con- concluded. I understand that. Because Philip, wasn't, he couldn't turn over to the book of Acts. He was the book of Acts. He's a part of it, you see. But he takes this Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah. 
this book that was written by the Spirit of God. And he shows him who the prophet's talking about. And the Bible says that from that passage, he teaches him who Jesus is. The Lamb of God. That story about the Lamb being silent and dying for our sins. That's the story of the gospel. That's the story that changes people's hearts. And it can be taught from the Old Testament. It can be taught from the New Testament. But it's the story. It's the story that has the power. Now look, this Bible is the Word of God. And it gives us all we need that pertains to life and godliness, Peter says. But we don't worship the Bible. We worship God and the Spirit who wrote it. Got it? But it is God's Word. It is living and active and has something to do with cutting our hearts and strengthening us and molding us to look more like Jesus Christ. Well, not only does the Old Testament teach the message of Jesus, I love what happens at the end of this story. See, the next thing you see is they come to water. After he's talked to him about Isaiah... And Jesus, they're riding along in their chariot and they come to some water and the the eunuch says, hey, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip said, well, three weeks from Sunday, we're having a service and we'll, uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm all right with baptismal services. It's okay, really. But what did he do right there on the spot? Philip took him down into the water and he baptized the man. And the man went on his way rejoicing. And then Philip all of a sudden just gets taken away. Because he's got some more preaching to do. Look, baptism is the result of hearing the message of Jesus. Baptism is a response to the grace of God. Baptism is an experience of the grace of God. It's, it's not that, look, it, baptism is not a work I do to be saved. Baptism is what God's work on me takes place. It's where it takes place that saves me. That's the grace of God. And I feel as strong about baptism as I ever have. Look, I know baptism, a lot happens in it. I'm not saying you've got to understand everything that happens to be baptized right. Okay? Because there's forgiveness of sins. There's being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's being added to the forever family. Uh, there's reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There's doing it because Jesus did. There's fulfilling the command. To God, to, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So you have all those things are taking place. But baptism is a direct result of hearing the message of God. So it's just that simple that we make that the story of our lives. In baptism, Christ's story becomes my story. Because I'm reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection. I'm acknowledging what He did for me. And that, that only by His grace am I saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. Not anything I do. I can't earn it. I can only submit and put my faith in God. So what I, what I want you to walk out of here with 
Here's what I want you to take on. This week, be conscious and follow God's lead. You may be meeting the next person that when you share Jesus with them, it changes not only their whole world, but the whole world around them. Her name was Estella. We shared the good news with her in South Texas years ago. She was baptized into Christ. Only one in her family. All the rest of them wouldn't have anything to do with her anymore. She was a teacher in the Catholic school. If you're, if you're a Catholic today, this is, not, this is nothing to be offensive toward you. This is just her situation. But the principal of that school, the nun of that school, when she found out she was converted, she was teaching Bible. She asked me, she said, Mike, what should I do? I said, just keep teaching Bible. It's okay. But they wouldn't have it, and that nun slapped her across the face and pointed to a picture of the Pope and said, I can't believe you could do that to that man. Wow. All of a sudden, our family won't have anything to do with it, won't celebrate holidays, birthdays, or anything. Then all of a sudden, you know, her mom's converted. Then her sister Lucy, then her other sister, then her Aunt Rosa and her husband and her three kids, and on and on. We didn't know we crossed paths with one person that the gospel go through a whole family and just multitudes of people start coming to God because somebody spoke to somebody in their path. Oh, Chris Barnes was... An old outlaw. I mean, really an old outlaw. South Texas. And Ray and I went out and shared the gospel with him. He was battling cancer. I think, I seemed like he was 80 years old, maybe. We go out there to his old, to his old ranch. He lived in an old trailer there. And we shared the gospel with him. He had a trach. And then he had a hole in his stomach. We put a cork in one and a handkerchief over the other. And we carried him out of that trailer down the steps into the horse trough and we baptized him into Christ. Went back in and Chris told me, he said, look, Mike, tell people one thing for me. I said, what? He said, tell people, don't wait. He said, the thing I regret the most is I've waited all this long. I could have been, all these years I wasted I could have been living for the Lord. Tell people, don't wait. And seven days from that day, we buried him again in the ground. But burying him the second time makes it a whole lot easier when you buried him the first. Right? You bet. Don't wait. So I tell that story because he told me to tell it. Don't wait. If you need to be baptized today, you don't wait. You walk down this aisle, just like that Ethiopian union said, here's water. We got some back here. Now, I know, you know, I didn't check the temperature, but it'd be all right. <laughs> now, I know when I was baptized, all the mess I've been in, I felt like they probably should change the water. I mean, I'm just, you know, some of you are like that. You, you, you know, you laugh, you're like that. We know it ain't the water, right? It's the blood of Christ. But you can walk down this aisle today just like that 
Ethiopian eunuch stopped his chariot. I love a man that will just stop his chariot and say, why can't I be baptized? Old Todd was in my small group. Him and his wife, uh, one night after group there in Kaufman, I said, Todd, I know you know the gospel. You've been taught. A lot of people have talked to you over the years. I said, look, if you, uh, night or day, I'm praying for you. I want you to obey the gospel, brother. I said, I, I don't want you to be lost. And I said, have you ever been, been thinking about it? He said, well, I've been thinking a little bit. I said, well, anytime, night or day, you call me. We'll take care of that. So they're going home. They live a long ways out of town. So on their drive out, they drive out. And uh, him and his wife get to talking about it. And he says, well, I've been thinking about doing this. And she said, you know, Mike said he could do it. He could call him right now if you want to. And so uh, they were about, I don't know, probably 20 minutes out. About 30 minutes later, somebody knocks on my door. And it's Todd. He's turned his car around and come back and said he's ready. I told him right there. I hugged him. And I said, you know, Todd, I love a man that will just turn his car around and go back. You know, that's my kind of guy. And we baptize him into Christ. I'm telling you, when you cross the path of people and you get to be a part of seeing them change where they spend eternity, there's something really good about that. That's the opportunity you have today if you're not in Christ. Maybe you just need to get back to the center. Here's what I love about this story it's simple. In church and in religion, in our country, we make, we make it way too difficult. It's not about our traditions. It's not about our worship. It's not about all those things. It's not about that. It's just about one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread of life. That's all it's about. And that's what we're trying to do as a church family. And when we reach one person, who knows? History says... This Ethiopian took the message down and evangelized his country. Who knows that one person we reach, what country and what family and what area that might go to because they come to God. If you have a need to respond in any way today, you can come right now while we stand and while we sing.